When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I have seen your messages. I know I missed last week, but I got to tell you why. I'm just going to talk to you for a second. So I have been doing this show for a little over a year now, and I can't believe it, honestly. Out of everything that I've done in my career, I would say the podcast has been the most stressful and something that I honestly thought I was going to fail at. I was nervous about it from the very beginning. And throughout this entire process, I have taken a lot of steps in multiple directions with the podcast, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I think you guys have seen that. We've had different co-hosts. We've tried different things, different topics. And most of the time, I didn't really feel comfortable with it. I know you guys see my brand and my image, and I never shy away from being sexy, and I never will shy away from that, but I felt like sometimes the topics that we would discuss were things that I was never really comfortable with, and I was pushed in a direction that they wanted me need to be the sex pot, Amazon, and talk about sex, and I wanted my podcast to be something that was about sports, something that I'm really knowledgeable about, and especially golf. And I felt like I started to drift in different directions because, yes, of course, if you have a very clickbaity title, the show is going to do great. And I think it started to become a balancing act of, okay, I want to talk about golf. I want to talk about sports. But if I talk about sex, if I talk about things that are clickbaity, where are we going to get more views? Do we want to go in this direction or that direction? And it started to morph into something that I wasn't truly proud of. I wasn't proud of the content that I was putting out. I didn't have much control over the content that was being put out. And I really want to now take the show in a different direction. And why am I going to do that? Well, I think that I'm in a place in my life and in my career that I need to progress. I need to showcase different attributes of myself. I need to show that I am very knowledgeable about golf and that this is something 
that I want to talk about more in the future. I don't want to rely on just clickbaity titles or my looks or just my Instagram image. I want to be more than that. And it sucks because we're not living in this sex positive community where I can do both and I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. And that's unfair. I feel like guys kind of have that where they can say whatever they want and it almost helps them because then they're unfiltered and unspoken. But when I say something like that, I get a call from a sponsor saying, you know, you need to you need to not say that because it's a bad look on you or I'll get called a whore or a slut or you'll have these New York Post's clickbait titles about how I don't wear panties. And I don't want to be the girl who is known for not wearing panties. I want to be the girl who is known for using her career and using this platform to talk about things that are important to her, being more than just what I look like and not just relying on things how everyone expects me to be. So we're changing the show in that direction. I don't want you to get freaked out by this. We're still going to, it's still going to be fun. It's still going to be unfiltered, but we're going to have a purpose when we talk about certain things. Before I felt like certain topics were just thrown in to get engagement and I don't want the show to be about that. So we're going to focus more on substance. I know that it is a comment that I get a lot. There's no substance on the show and I totally agree with that. And uh, moving forward, I want to bring guests on who you guys have an interest in, not just to have a guest on to have a guest on. So I'm going to be really focused on bringing better people on. And I also is going to go with the co-host. So I have Teddy G back again. He's become more of a staple on the show, which I'm really happy about. I'm going to have more control over the show. And again, I want to be more than just this image or who people perceive me to be. I want to showcase my knowledge in sports and betting and golf, especially. And I think it's going to be a lot better for you guys. So that being said, Teddy, we have so much to talk about this week. I am so excited, especially because two of our picks were in a playoff at the Genesis Open. I mean, you and I are the Nostradamus, Miss and Mr. Nostradamus of golf now. That is uh, that is freaky to be able to pick the two players out of a field of about 150 to make the playoffs. And, and even better that, that my guy, Max Homa, took it down. But before we get into the golf page, first of all, thanks for having me kind of on this relaunch of your podcast. And I, first of all, for all the guys out there, don't blame me if the podcast is more substance and less skin. It's not my fault. It wasn't my idea. And Paige, I'm happy to be the sexy, you know, the eye candy part of this show. Um, you know, I, I really haven't played that role before, but I'm certainly willing to, to get out <laughs> I mean, someone has to do it. So I, I think you can be the eye candy from here on out. <laughs> happy to do that. I know. I'm, uh, I think the podcast has been great previously and it's uh, going to be even better and I'm thrilled to be part of it. Well, okay, so we got to talk about the Genesis Open at Riviera Country Club. Have you played Riviera before? Jeez, you're starting out with with that. I've not played Riviera. I don't have the L.A. hookups that you have. I've not played Bel Air or any of these fabulous uh, L.A. courses. Um, let me just take a sip of my little Masters Cup here because I have played against uh, the Masters. A little, little, little humble brag right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, ex- except for the humble part. Uh, yeah, I won the media lottery and got to play, but... No, uh, I've not played it. And if I do ever play it, hopefully it won't be on a day with 30 mile an hour winds because I have enough trouble keeping my putts on the green without, you know, them getting blown off like happened with Keegan Bradley. I mean, that was that was insane. 
I have only had one round called for wind. It was in Las Vegas, our second round in college. And it was the same thing. The balls would be like set on the green and all of a sudden it would just start rolling away off the green. It's insane. But I, I've been lucky enough to play Riviera. It's a beautiful golf course. And I think it's interesting when people talk about the ball going too far and the equipment going too far. You look at a classic course like Riviera and I mean, come on. They still struggled out there. If it's a really good golf course and it's set up well, then it can really challenge the guys. And you saw with the putting, and let's talk about Max Homa's putt on 18 in regulation where he could have ended it with a three-footer. And he said he was shaking like a leaf and nervous. But still, that three-footer had so much break on it that, you know, it wasn't only nerves. He actually had to put a little thought into that putt. When you see a guy miss a three-footer, like, do you just, does it make you puke a little inside? Does it make you sad? Or is it just like, all right, I have, uh, you know, I picked Tony Finau, so I want Max to make the, to miss this. So my, uh, so my pick looks good. It was really difficult because I'm friends with Max. He's such a great guy, but I also know Tony and I've worked with him before. And he is again, also one of the nicest guys on tour. And so for them to go in a playoff, it's like the battle of the nice guys. It's going to be great for golf, regardless of who wins. And of course, I was rooting for Max, but of course, I was rooting for Tony because he was my pick. And also, I wanted him to get that monkey off his back to get that win because I know that must be really hard for him to always get those questions. When are you going to get that next one? When are you going to get that next win? But I didn't want to see Max lose it after missing that three-foot putt. I remember we were going back and forth because I picked Tony, you picked Max. And once Max hit that shot on 18, I his approach shot, I... I text you, congratulations, and I thought he had it in the bag. You could tell he was a little bit nervous from his reaction after hitting that shot with the way he was, that nervous laughter. He kind of didn't seem like, you know, (laughs) he didn't know how to like handle himself in that situation. And then over that putt too, you saw him taking some big, deep breaths. Like homeboy was super nervous and that putt was difficult. It's not like an easy three-footer just straight up the hill. It was, those greens are slick. It's breaking a lot. And I think he put a really good role on it. I think one thing that's really interesting is after when I saw him on his phone before the playoff, I was like, he's going to lose it because he was, I was thinking he's probably on Twitter. He's probably looking at everything, getting the text. But he called his wife, Lacey, who is one of the sweetest people ever. And they have such an amazing supportive relationship. And I think that put him right in the, the perfect mindset to go win that playoff. But again, even that playoff, first hole, I thought Tony had it. That shot that Max hit next to the tree will go down as one of the best shots I've ever seen someone hit. So I read a little bit about that moment, and Lacey, his wife, uh, apparently texted, like, forgive yourself. You made a great putt on 17. Think about that one rather than the one you missed on 18. So Max wasn't the only one who was nervous yesterday down the stretch. Um, you know, I might have had 30 bucks at, uh, at 60 to 1 on Max Homa for a, a payday of $1,800. And, you know, what's tricky about betting on sports nowadays is you have these cash-out offers that are changing. So if we're, you know, watching a football game every time there's a first down or, of course, a turnover or some scoring – you have these cash out offers and sometimes they can be really lucrative. Like let's say it's the final leg of a 14 parlay and you've got say $500 on the line and then they're offering, you know, 250 or 300. 
Uh, we did that with Darren Revell for the Big Ten football championship game, and he ended up cashing out a bet for $64,000. Fortunately, Jeez. mine wasn't this high, <laughs> but I was still going through like various experiences here. So early on in the day, the cash out offer was like 150 or 200. I'm like, I'm certainly not going to do that. You know, I don't need 200 bucks that bad. But then as it was going on, the cash out offer was like 750. I think it got as high as 812. And I was really starting to think about it because it is golf and there's a randomness. And then here's what happened. Homa hits it in the bunker on 17 with a second shot. And I kind of panicked. So you know how people experience FOMO. So I was ex- experiencing something I'm calling fogs. Fear of getting shut out. <laughs> Fear of making a $30 bet and having the chance to catch out for like 800 and then getting absolutely nothing out of it. So he's in that bunker on the right. Now, at this point, I should have called you. And Paige, if I had called you at that moment and said, is that a tough up and down? What do you think you would have said? Impossible. I thought he was dead in that area because he wasn't very close to the lip and he didn't have much green to work with. And if you don't have a nice line there, if it's not sitting up just right, you're not going to get any spin on it. So he hit an amazing shot out of that bunker. But as soon as he hit in there, I was like, he's dead. Tony's winning for sure. But then Tony chunked his shot on 18. I was like, I don't know. So they were constantly going back and forth and you didn't know who was going to win. This is great news. Okay. So at that point, the cash out offer is $500. Finau is up a shot. I believe he's already in the fairway on 18. So if I had asked you at that point, should I take the 500 or roll for the chance to win 1800? I think I know what you would have said. Oh yeah. You take the 500. Okay. Well, that's what I did. And then I felt like a flipping idiot. (laughs) It was, it was tough after that. You know, I mean, Part of it was a little bit, it's the money. A $1,300 difference is nice, but more so it's the pride, you know, holding the winning ticket and not cashing out. But I thought golf-wise, it made sense. I'm like, he's in the bunker. He's going to, you know, going to splash out 15 feet past. He's probably not going to make it. He's going to be one down going into 18. He's got to make a birdie just to force a playoff. So logically, I was thinking, right, I overthought it. It turns out I should have just rolled the dice, Paige. It's funny because I was texting you and then also one of my best friends and he also had Max Homa. So our little exchange that we had coming down the stretch was pretty funny. I Max hit that shot, the approach shot on 18, and I said, congrats. So I texted you guys yep. at the exact same time. I was admitting defeat and he just <laughs> said, shh. And I said, he missed the putt. And I said, oh shit. And all I got yep. back was, fuck you. Legit, don't talk to me right now. I'm blocking your number for a week. <laughs> He blocked me, unblocked me, and said, you're dead to me. <laughs> and then I said, congrats after he won. He said, okay, we're fine now. So <laughs> I, I, everyone was coming at me right and left from that uh, Max Homa pick. So my version of that was I was FaceTiming with my friend Michelle back in Chicago. And I'm like, I was like ahead of her by five seconds. So I got it on here. So I'm showing her Homa's approach into 18. And at this point, it's tricky. At this point, I'm kind of hoping Homa doesn't win, even though I love the guy, because I don't want to be the idiot who gave up on an $1,800 ticket. Exactly. (laughs) So he hits that approach into 18, and it spins back to three feet. And I just dropped the phone. I just dropped the phone, and I just said, I can't talk. I'll call you later. Boom. And I think I went outside, dry heaved for a couple of minutes. And then, of course, he misses the putt. And then I'm back to saying, like, oh, my God, the genius. I am a genius. 
you know, now Tony's obviously going to win this in the playoff. I had actually put a little money on Tony on the side. So I thought it was going to work out beautifully, but truly I was happy for Max. That uh, that chip sort of against the tree, I think I heard it's like a 50-degree wedge, skipped it in there. And let's be honest, that playoff was a total choke fest. I mean, I would choke. I mean, I would make a 12 on those holes. But those guys, compared to the best in the world, I mean, it looked like neither wanted to win it for those first couple of holes. Tony left a putt short to win it. They still have some stuff to work through, but bottom line is Max Homa won in his hometown. He's an awesome guy. He's the best golfer on Twitter, and now we get to enjoy him even more. He'll be even funnier on Twitter now that he's won again. He's got the confidence flowing. Oh, and his post-round interview, too, when he got a little choked up. Anytime a guy wins and they have the emotions flowing, that always gets me. But I think we need to talk about Tony because there's been a lot of discussion about him choking on the final day. He shot a final round 64. So did Tony Finau lose it or did Max Homa win it? Well, I I feel like Tony and Max were great for 17 and a half holes, right? (laughs) I mean, Max played brilliantly. I mean, I felt so good about him during the round because even when he was, you know, settling for pars, they were two footers. Like he wasn't getting, he was striking it great. Short game, great. Putting stroke, great. And Finau was awesome. And then I don't know what happened on his approach into 18. I mean, I've always thought of 18 as as such a hard hole. And then I know Max had like 123 in. (laughs) So again, as I saw that, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, I thought that was a hole where guys hit six iron in. And now they're hitting a wedge in. And he's going to make a birdie here and make me, you know, freaking cry myself to sleep at night. Um, So I don't know what happened on Finau's approach into 18, except that it came up about 20 yards short. And um, those guys in the playoff, it was a little tough to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. But hey, somebody had to win and it was our guy, Max. And we had some side action, did we not? We did. So I have to buy you a hat in the pro shop before our first round of golf together, which I'm not happy about because I was, again, I, the week before I picked Daniel Berger to win. He won and I picked Tony Finau to win and he almost won. But I think Tony's going to bounce back. I mean, he is so close. Again, he just not like he had the lead on the final round and blew it. He played his heart out to get into that playoff. I wish Max won it straight up. He wish he made that putt. I think that would have been so much better for Tony's psyche moving forward because it now has turned into Tony lost it because, again, on 10, he had that putt to win it. He didn't make it. And then he bogeyed the next hole. So, again, it's hard to watch, and I always want to root for Tony, but he is such a solid player, and you need to realize he keeps putting himself in contention. That's worth something, and maybe he's not closing out, but I think he will, and once he gets that first win, the floodgates are going to open, and I think it's just me win, win, win. Yeah. Well, we talk about being worth something. It's worth a top five every week. I'm calling him top five Tony, because if you're not betting <laughs> on this guy in the top five or ten every week on points bet, then you're not doing it right. I mean, he he's, he's like an ATM when it comes to that, and in terms of our bet, I'll probably be nice and reciprocate and buy you something in the golf shop. Hopefully, it'll be at you know, so, some place like Chicago Golf Club or Shore Acres, uh, some really sweet Chicago area track when you come out and visit. Well, I can't wait. I think another storyline we need to talk about at Riviera was 30 of the top 50 players in the world were playing. Eight of the top 10 were playing. Three of the top 10 missed the cut, though. So we had Justin Thomas shooting eight over. 
Rory McIlroy shooting seven over, Bryson DeChambeau at two over, Hideki Matsuyama at two over, Gary Woodland at four over, and Bubba Watson at four over. Out of all of those players, which one was the most surprising to you? Oh, uh, Justin Thomas. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw any of his highlights or lowlights. I, I didn't. I don't know what happened, but like, he's one of the best five players in the world. I mean, like Bryson, we know because he swings it as what? that he's got... 200 mile per hour ball speed or whatever it is. If he's off by a little bit, sure. He can be in, you know, in the tree line and make triples. And it's never surprising if Bryson has a, a strange bad week. Uh, he certainly had it at the masters where he was struggling there, but I don't understand how Justin Thomas can shoot seven over for two rounds. I think he beat only like five or six players. Do you have any idea what happened? I think he's still dealing with the repercussions of the comment that he made and also his grandfather passing away too. I think it's probably just a lot on his mind right now. And as we know, golf is such a mental game. And so if you're not fully clear going into what you're doing, then you're going to struggle. And I think he just is dealing with so much right now that it's really hard to focus on his game and I think he'll be fine moving forward because he's you know, such a great player. But I think he just maybe needs to take a week or two off to recharge those batteries, figure everything out. But, I mean, dealing with the death is, you know, that that's difficult on anyone. And they were very close as well. So I think he just is not really that focused on golf. But I would say I'm most surprised with Roy McIlroy shooting seven over. We know Riviera is a ball striker paradise. And Rory is known for being an amazing ball striker. I don't know what's going on with Rory right now. He's one of those players where when he's on, he is so much better than everyone else, but he runs so hot and cold where he could just one day shoot like a 78 or an 80 and it comes out of nowhere. I don't know why that seems to happen. I don't know if since he's had his little baby girl that his priorities have shifted and golf isn't the most important thing in his life anymore, but it doesn't seem like he has that fire burning inside him the way that he used to. The whole element of when golfers get married and start a family <laughs> is is fascinating. I mean, the great Dan Jenkins has written about this a lot and there's been so much written about like Jack Nicholas and Jack Nicholas's wife, who was like the MVP of the household because <laughs> she had, you know, they got like 12, 12 boys and, and she just handled everything and allowed Jack's sole focus to be on golf. And he just kept thriving, even as a dad, you know, whereas you have people like Tiger, who ugh, uh, obviously had extracurricular stuff going on, but also... I think legitimately is like an amazing dad. And if you give this guy the choice of practicing for an hour or spending an hour with his kids, I think he's going to spend an hour with his kids. Um, And now he probably doesn't have that much of a choice because of those back issues. So a lot with Tiger, but I think you get my point. Um, Dan Jenkins also said it great. He said, the only thing that can stop Tiger uh, are injuries or a bad marriage. So when guys have stuff going on in their personal lives, and I'm sure some can compartmentalize it way better than others, that ends like a fascinating wild card into like the next chapter of their uh, career. Do you think it affects them more now than it did before because of maybe the way that the traditional roles have changed where 
you know, before it was like the guy would just go and do his work. And then the woman was just, yeah, was just, you know, being a housewife, taking care of the kids. But now, you know, women have more of careers and it seems like the roles are a little bit more separated where it's like, I think dads do want to be more involved in their kids' lives. And it's not just like, okay, I need to go make money and you handle that. I think they want to raise their kids and focus on that more. Paige, it's so fascinating. So I covered baseball as a beat for six years for the Chicago Tribune. And in that time, one of the biggest changes was when a player's wife or girlfriend or whatever had a baby, how the player handled it. So I remember talking to there's this player, Todd Hundley. Um, he was a, a catcher for the Dodgers and the Cubs and his dad is Randy Hundley. And his dad said, like, when they were playing baseball in the 60s, like, you wouldn't have even considered taking a game off to see your kid being born. Like, it would have been considered, like, super unmacho. Like what happened? Your kid was bored and you were on the road and then you would hang out with your buddies and smoke cigars. And then they'd say, Hey, the kid's healthy, weighs seven pounds, all good. (laughs) So then by the time I cover baseball, it was okay. A player would take, you know, maybe one or two days off when their kid was born. And then you have this in professional sports. Now it's like, you know, somebody's cousin, God forbid has passed away or somebody's had a baby and the guys take off like, four, five, six days. And then it's become very like insensitive to say, wait a second, how many days are you supposed to take off for your kid? And you yeah. get off more for a C-section? And how does all this stuff work? But society has in- evolved so much to your point about where, you know, the dads feel like, oh, that's her job decades ago to now we are co-parenting and I have to be yeah. as involved as she is. And if this affects my career, too bad. Well, I think especially with Rory, such an introspective person where I think he has other interests and things that, you know, keep him preoccupied. When you look at the past goats, we've had this discussion before, they seem to be a little bit self-centered and their whole life is about being number one. And I don't really get that feeling from Rory. And I don't think that makes him a bad person. I think it makes him an amazing person that he does have other interests in his life. But to be number one, you need to have that killer instinct and you're holding that. You need to be almost like obsessed with being number one and winning and beating everyone. And, you know, you have to be selfish to do that. Well, the fascinating one in terms of golf, I think it's Phil Mickelson. And I believe it would be, let's see, it it was always around the time of the U.S. Open where there would be some issue going on. So I believe like his one year, his daughter, Amanda, was graduating from high school. I think this is the Aaron Hills U.S. Open. And he just declined to play in the U.S. Open. Now with Phil, there's always an ulterior motive. He's always trying (laughs) to stick it to the USGA, clearly, right? So, but he passed on playing at the Aaron Hills U.S. Open. And then I think the one I covered in Marion, he was like, he played a practice around on Monday, maybe Tuesday morning. He jetted all the way back to San Diego to see her like in a high school musical. Then he jetted all the way back to Philly. And we were like, are you insane? And he's like, no, I can't get those back. It's not the same if I just see it on FaceTime. I have to be there for my kids. So, I mean... Like Rory's a fully formed individual. I think Phil is as well. So these guys who are really good family men, it's interesting to know if it helps them in terms of them not feeling guilty that they're missing stuff or if it hurts them because they've got like jet jet lag and stuff. Yeah. So before we take a quick break, give me one of your biggest takeaways from Riviera this week. Well, it's an event I'll never forget because of the betting aspect of it. Um, (laughs) Also, I got to say, I was on Matt Fitzpatrick. 
That was a pick you had that I was surprised. And he was at the top of the leaderboard for most of, I mean, he Thursday through Sunday. I know. I mean, for a second, I thought I was going to have one, two there until you, uh, until you snuck up on me with me now, but Matt Fitzpatrick is just so sneaky. Good. Amazing short game hits it low. So he's a great wind player. Uh, one of the best young European guys out there. So uh, Matty Fitz made me look good. I appreciate that. What, uh, what's your takeaway? I was most surprised with DJ's final round of one over. I thought DJ was going to be the guy to pull ahead. He's been in that situation before. He's a very solid player. When he has a chance to win, you can't bet against DJ. So I was really surprised that he didn't light the course up on Sunday, but it turned out to be even better for us with that Max Tony playoff. So I love that, but... We're going to take a break, and then we're going to go into our WGC picks. And I also have a pretty cool story to tell you guys. Keep on listening. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, so Teddy, before we get into the players we like for the WGC, I did something pretty cool recently. I got to meet someone I was really excited about. I would say this is one of the top five coolest people I've ever had the opportunity to work with. I met, you need to add like a little uh, <laughs> sound effect. I met Shaq. And it was... He's, he is a massive human being. He went to give me like knuckles and his fist was bigger than my head. I felt like a baby, like the smallest little thing ever next to him. We took a picture next to each other and his hips were like at my eyes. Like he is a full human taller than I am. It's It was insane. But I will say I have met some really incredible people. Most of them have been really, really cool, but I have been disappointed by a lot 
as well because you see these people either as entertainers or athletes and you almost kind of build them up in your head thinking that they're, you know, the super cool, super cool, nice, funny person and you meet them in real life. And a lot of them are pretty much the opposite. They're not as friendly. They're kind of rude. They just, it's a letdown. It's like a massive letdown. And that happened, that's happened quite a bit. And so since then, I've really tried to not have any expectations going into meeting people that I'm excited to meet. But he blew me away. He is so nice, so funny. He made me feel very comfortable. We were shooting um, a video together and he went out of his way to make me feel comfortable there. And he asked me like a million questions. I almost like couldn't even speak back because I was just so in shock. But I think one of the coolest things was that seeing him work in front of the camera, he knows how to turn it on better than anyone else. All of a sudden he has this like Shaq smile and his like funny little quips here and there. Like he is so good at what he does. He's a marketing genius. I feel like even early in his career, he's just like the ultimate get it guy. You know, he realizes that, all right, it's great to win championships. And a lot of people are going to remember him for that. But a lot of people are going to remember him for just his personality, the music and the acting and being larger than life. And, you know, taking Orlando by storm with with uh, with with Penny. That whole campaign they had, that Nike campaign was amazing. And then when he went to LA, teaming with Kobe Bryant and just, yeah, he's on my list of like 10 guys I would want to hang out with. He's also on my list of if you could, you know, be in somebody's shoes for one day, how cool would it be to experience life as a dude who's like seven foot one, 340 pounds, <laughs> just to understand, like, I'm, I'm sure there's some bad stuff that comes with it too. I mean, I hope he... You know, hope he never has to fly commercial. Hope he doesn't have to get in a coach seat. He probably had not do that since he was 12. But like, just what it's like to be that big. And I'm sure some people look at him and they're like scared as fuck. And then other people are just like in awe. So um, I'm glad it went well with Shaq. Now, in a future podcast, I want to try to pry out of you, you know, one or two celebrities who disappointed you. We got to do some shit talking on this podcast, I think. You know, I'll say that the people who have a reputation of not being very nice or friendly are actually the ones who are very nice. And the people who have a reputation of being like the good guys actually are not the good guys. So it's kind of that tin cup mentality where, you know, he has this image of being so nice. And then behind the scenes, he's a real dick. That's kind of how it is. Because I, the people who I was most excited to meet are the ones who I've been the most let down by. And then the people who I was like really nervous to meet because I heard they're not very friendly. They're the ones who have like really gone out of their way to be overtly nice to me. So it's really funny how it's almost the exact opposite and I don't know if, if they're doing that because they know what the, who like their reputation and how people perceive them. So they go, they try harder to be nice. And then the people who are nice, like they don't like no one cares. But um, this the like the really really big superstars like Justin Timberlake is so 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 nice. Mark Wahlberg's nice, but he's very intimidating. So a lot of like the really really famous people are all. I think you have to be respectful and nice almost like at that level to get to where you are it's like the people like one step below it and the entertainers are much nicer than the athletes the athletes aren't as nice as the entertainers so interesting so by the way you're talking about the don john don johnson character david sims right yes. the guy who yeah. <laughs> smiles and signs autographs and then is a complete 
D-bag to everybody else. Um, I think also future podcasts, we have to talk about, you know, perceptions of professional golfers. Like for the longest time, and I think it probably still exists, there's the Tiger group and the Phil group. And whenever I talk to somebody about Phil, it's amazing. It is a dead 50-50 split. Half the people say, I played a pro-am with this guy. He's the nicest guy I've ever experienced. He helped me. He was friendly. And then half the people I talk to will totally trash Phil and say, this guy is such a phony behind the scenes. He's not nice to the clubhouse attendants or this and that. I've seen nothing but great with Phil. So that's my experience. But he's a really polarizing guy. So it's interesting in terms of like, you've met so many famous people, actors, athletes, golfers that, yeah, I think we have to, I'm going to try in successive uh, weeks and episodes here to, to pull some of this out of you. I think it's also when you meet them either in their life or like what's going on. Cause I know there's definitely times where I've met people where I'm having just a really horrible day and I'm just not as friendly as I normally am. Or let's say like I've interacted only with tiger kind of post everything and he has been amazing and so great and so friendly to me. But then you ask people about him before everything and they're like, maybe he's not as nice. And same with Phil. I've never had one bad interaction with him. He's always been really friendly, but again, like I've heard that, you know, those other stories as well. So part of the time it's like, I don't know if they're rumors or what's going on. Cause I know what people have said about me too. And I'm like, Hey, I was nice to you. Like I remember that. So it's have you been accused of being bad to anybody in public? I did. So I was shooting in Myrtle Beach. I was up since 4am in the morning and we had to do a beach. So we went to like eight different locations. We were on our sixth location of the day. I only had 20 minutes in there and they brought some friends in to just be like extras in the back of the shoot. And one of the guys then later on was getting at me on social media saying that I was rude to him and I didn't take the time to say hi. And, you know, I was just exhausted and I, I, and I own it. Like I didn't go out of my way to like make them feel welcomed or, you know, thank them for being there. I just wanted to like get in and get out and get my day done with because I had so much more I still had to do. So again, it's like people will pick and choose, you know, the good times and the bad times. And, but I'm sure he's going to tell every single person that I was horrible. So it's like, you can't, it's like, whose word do you take? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I would only be bad to people if I was hangry. If I'm hungry and and short on sleep, then I'll be a little pissy. I've had very interesting um, interactions, two of them, with Bill Murray. Bill Murray, obviously, you know, Chicago area guy, um, caddied at this this, uh, upscale private club in Winnetka outside of Chicago. And like early on in my sports riding career, I was covering a golf tournament. And obviously, he loves the game. He often caddies. And he was playing in a pro-am. I was following around for the final few holes and then he was all done and he was definitely wary of causing too much of a scene and, you know, distracting the other golfers, but it was like on a Wednesday. So I kind of followed him to the clubhouse and I was just like, uh, Mr. Murray, do you have a minute? I'm from the Chicago Tribune, just hoping to talk to you. And he goes, not for you. You know what you did. And I was like, <laughs> shell shocked. I was like, I don't know what I did. I was like probably 23 years old. Fast forward to a couple of years ago. The Murray brothers are opening a restaurant outside of O'Hare Airport and all the media is there. And one of the PR guys says, hey, just to warn you, you know, Bill has flown in this morning. I think he said from Denver of all places. Um, So he's been up since four. So just, you know, just understand that. 
Bill Murray walks in the room and he goes around to every single media member, photographer, cameraman, writer, shakes their hand. And I was like, this is the greatest guy ever. So it really does speak to the whole, you know, what day you get them and what's going on in their life. I agree with that. I would say my worst interaction with a golfer was probably, and this one, this one hurts because I was really excited to meet him. He's always been a fan favorite of mine and also with my family, Ernie Els. So I was the starter in Dubai and it was, uh, a lot of people were not happy that I was there. Some people were, you know, happy that that I was doing it. It was very polarizing and I understand that. But everyone, once I was the starter, I took my job very seriously and everyone was friendly, but I would have to like go up to give them their scorecards and, um, or they would come to me and get them. He didn't like have any interaction with me. He wouldn't acknowledge that I was there. He wouldn't come get his scorecard. Absolutely nothing. And so Colin Montgomery came over and he said, Hey, I'll, I'll grab Ernie's scorecard for you. Don't worry about it. And I, it was surprising because you have someone who is like universally beloved and then someone who is almost universally hated and he was the one who went out of his way to reach out and help me and so that was probably my most surprising moment and I talked to someone after and they're like oh he probably just like didn't even think of it so maybe I just didn't understand you know the different rules of being a starter because it is different in Europe than it is you know in the United States with how you, I, I don't know. They were trying to explain it to me, but that was the one yeah. that I was really shocked and surprised with. And it rattled me. It rattled wow. me because I had like a couple of big groups back to back and I <laughs> butchered every single name oh. after that. Cause I was just rattled. I didn't know how to handle it. That's fascinating. Yeah. You've got Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, uh, Colin <laughs> Montgomery, like the, the biggest grouch on tour for decades, just always seemingly pissed off being the nice guy. And then you've got the big easy, who is just this, like, uh, he's got a great reputation. And I know people who've, like, been out drinking with Ernie. Like, I think of Ernie as, like, a total man's man. First yeah. of all, he's, like, this enormous guy. You don't understand <laughs> how large he is until you're next to him, like him and VJ. But even more Ernie, because he's, like, very, like, broadly built as well. He's always had an amazing reputation with the media. I mean, what I'll never forget is I'm covering the Masters four or five years ago, and it's, like, 2 o'clock, and... I don't have a column idea yet. And I'm like, man, I really need something to happen. And then we start hearing, um, Ernie L's just six putted the first green. I forgot about that. Yes. (laughs) It was like, it it, it was surreal. And I don't know if you like, there's not a lot of video of it. The masters, I think makes their video only available for like 24 hours. There's something (laughs) proprietary there, but to see him do it, he would like putt and shake his head and putt and shake his head and, and put his hands up and, it's like, I, I don't even know what I'm seeing here. He, he yeah, that was night, first nightmare feel right there. But, he, but was, again, even then, he was nice afterwards. Like, this guy has a great reputation. It's very disappointing to hear. I don't know what I did. I probably did. I, and here's the thing about me is that if someone, like, looks at me the wrong way or if I think that they looked at me the wrong way, I will, like, stress about it. I'm such an overthinker. So maybe nothing even happened and I, like, built it up in my head. But I was, I was disappointed by that. And that's why I was saying the guys who aren't seen as that very nice tend to be really nice because Colin Montgomery was such a surprise to me. He literally like went out of his way to help me, not just in that instant, but throughout the entire tournament, he would always say hi to me, always go out of his way. It was like, he, I'm such a big fan of him now because of that moment. Well, that's great. Um, 
I think the bad karma is the reason that Ernie six putted. <laughs> yeah, for not no taking a scorecard from me. <laughs> we got to talk about the WGC. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and Monty has gone on and uh, won some senior majors for you. So, you know, all this stuff comes around. Yeah. So we got to talk about the WGC and the players that we like. I have never played concession. Have you played there before? So it's difficult for me to pick people on courses that I'm not super familiar with. <laughs> so there's your excuse. I'm already making excuses now. Built in excuses because I had two back-to-back great weeks and I'm not feeling as confident right now. <laughs> I, I did have to mention that on Twitter that I'm a little concerned with how you're trending, Paige. I mean, you picked Berger two weeks ago and he won. Then Finau and he finished second. So you're, 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 sliding, <laughs> you're sliding quite precipitously. I'm worried about, you know, you're not going to do better than picking the third guy this week. I've not played concession. I like the name of the course because it's, it's, there's nothing like it. And it's got a story behind it. You probably know 1969 Ryder cup coming down to the end. You got Tony Jacqueline. He's got like a three footer and Jack Nicholas concedes the putt. Uh, us and Europe end up, uh, tying in the Ryder cup. U.S. still retain the cup. So it's not like Jack said, all right, you can take the cup back overseas. I mean, it, it was a very nice gesture on Jack, maybe a little overrated, you know, considering the U.S. still took it down. I don't know the course, but I was reading about it. Water and play on 12 holes, lots of bunkering. So it sounds like um, kind of a typical Florida course in some way. Bryson DeChambeau had a great result there in college. He was a medalist at an event there, and it's a Jack Nicholas, uh, Tony Jacklin design. As uh, as you would have thought, those guys getting together years later to design the golf course. So, I mean, this is obviously an amazing field. All the top guys are playing this. I was looking at who's in who's in here: DJ Rom, Shuffley, Cantlay, Finau, McElroy, all the big boys. So, I am not quite ready to make a pick, Paige. I think people have to come back and uh, check out uh, the range, the show that you and I do on PointsBet to to get our genius picks this week. For sure. I would say a couple names that jumped out at me. Obviously, DJ, he's won here a couple times in the past. He's also favored. And I think coming off of the disappointing Sunday round at Riv, he's going to be fired up and he loves this golf course. So he's definitely someone you're going to want to put your money on. Cameron Smith, he plays well on hard golf courses. And he also had a couple good finishes as well this year. So he runs very hot and cold where you don't know what he's going to do. But when he gets hot, he's a really solid player. Also, kind of a surprise pick for me is Tyrrell Hatton. I just, there's something about him this week. I just feel pretty good about him. I think that he plays well under pressure with good fields. And I love his fiery attitude and the hoodie wearing guy. I love it. So I think he's good for the game. I love when he's in contention. I just like when guys get fired up and no one has worse or better anger issues than he does. (laughs) (laughs) Which is another whole topic that we'll hit on another week. Um, Hatton is a, is obviously a great player. I'm still uncomfortable pronouncing his first name. It looks like it should be, Tyrell, if we're like in this, you know, if we're like oh, an American, the I got South. a story about that. So when I was a yeah. starter in Dubai, they said it's Tyrell. If you say Tyrell, he will literally never talk to you ever again. So do not mess up his first name. So it's Tyrell Hatton. And that was the one note that they gave me. They were like, do not say Tyrell. So the whole time before I have the mic and I'm like, Tyrell, 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 Tyrell. Don't say Tyrell, don't say Tyrell. And I was like, Tyrell. 
every time I hear it, I'm like, I still just don't even know how that would go phonetically. So I'm just going with T Hatton. I think that's going to be the way there. He, he really confuses me. Um, now, Cameron Smith, um, I can't really pick him this week. Did you see he had like a, I feel like a 15 foot eagle putt yesterday that he hit like about eight feet. Did you, did, were you watching that moment? I mean, like he's got the the mullet and it looks like he's mullet. like cool and relaxed, but he must have been very, very nervous. That was probably the worst eagle attempt I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I'm off him this week. But uh, T. Hatton, I think, is an inspired selection. Yeah. So if you guys want to find out our official picks, we're going to be doing that tomorrow on the range. You can find it on YouTube or also just go check out points bet too. We're also doing a really cool promo, the make it rain promo. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> where's your rain dance? Eddie's laughing because I always fuck this up all the time. <laughs> I can never say it right, but I've been picking 30 games for 30 days college basketball games and you get free three dollars oh god do you need me to do this for you it's your own promo i can't say free three that's like the one thing that really messes me up three three dollars and free bets Every three pointer, you you got this. You got this. I mean, we're gonna do the she sells by the sea. She sells shells by the seashore. This one is almost as hard. All right, for anybody listening who didn't quite catch that, Paige, can I go ahead and explain? So everyone, yes, go for it, (laughs) man. So, and this is this is an amazing promo. Basically, PointsBet is giving away like three million dollars in free bets to celebrate the fact that. You're like on the cusp of having 3 million followers on Instagram. That was I hit it. I finally hit it. Who who was the 3 million? I have no idea. I didn't want to announce it because normally when I announce it, I'll lose followers because no one likes to see me be happy. So I've just been keeping it under wraps. <laughs> Are you going to be able to figure out who that 3 millionth customer was? Probably not. But we've been doing a ton of giveaways. So maybe maybe we'll do one more for this. All right. So just to finish up, so like, um, was it Saturday's or Sunday's game? No, Sunday's game, Michigan, Ohio State. All right. All you got to do is bet 50 bucks on either side of the spread. And then for every three pointer that your team makes, you get $3 in free bets. So it turned out in Michigan, Ohio State, both teams hit 11 threes. So you get $33 in free bets on top of the obvious chance to win money on the bet. So pretty good. Really good. It's been fun to do. And I get to do my little rain dance every single time. It's my, my make it rain dance. <laughs> but people are loving it. It's a, it's a good promo. And I love college basketball, too. I don't think that's something people know about me. I haven't gone into NBA, but I am a big college basketball fan. So it's been fun. And we might be doing something pretty cool on my Instagram coming up as well, where you might be able to pick the college basketball game. So be on the lookout for that. You can also find it at PointsBet on their PointsBet app. So go check it out. Yeah, I've heard rumors that Saturday might be uh, might be up for grabs. Props to you for coming up with the idea in our in one of our content calls. And he said, what if we just let uh, my people pick our game? And they all said, why didn't we think of that? That's a great idea. So I think Saturday is going to be the wild card game. I can't wait for that. So we're going to take another little break. And when we get back, we have some juicy sports topics to discuss. L A 
LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We have some juicy news. So Michelle Wee has come out and made a statement regarding Rudy Giuliani and a very crude remark he made about her in a podcast. He said, and I quote, on the green is Michelle Wee and she's getting ready to putt. Now Michelle Wee is gorgeous. She's six feet tall and she has a strange putting stance. She bends all the way over in her panties show and the press was going crazy. So that was the quote that he made. He thought it was a joke. I don't really know how that's a joke. So Michelle Wee has come out and said that um, she's disgusted by the remarks of being over-sexualized. And this is just something that women face in the industry. So this one's hard for me to talk about because I have been getting attacked for this as well. I have been tagged in Michelle Wee's post multiple times by people saying that I am the problem. I am the reason why Michelle Wee is getting objectified. And unless I change the way that I present myself, then this is always going to be a problem for women. I'm very open about how I've decided to promote myself and what my brand is. That's something I'm never going to shy away from. I like being sexy, I don't shy away from that, and I never will. It's just something that I feel very comfortable with. And this is something that needs to be said. We've said this before, but regardless of what I'm wearing and how I promote myself does not mean that you can objectify every other woman. Not everyone is comfortable with that. And I think I have become so desensitized by comments that even when I read his remark, I didn't get triggered by it. I felt like it was a comment that has been made about me, um, will be made about me. It's been something, a version of this has been seen in my comments before. It's something that I didn't even think twice about. And I don't know if that's (laughs) scary on my end because I don't even know what's right and what's wrong. Or if it's just that I just don't 
I'm just more comfortable with it. And I don't know, honestly, even how to react to this. I know what he said was wrong and I feel bad for Michelle Wee. But again, at the same time, those are just comments that I get on the daily 24-7. Well, I mean, Michelle Wee is, I mean, she's an athlete. And by the way, she's also a mom and she's got a great Instagram handle. Um, So follow her if you don't already. I think she's awesome. I've covered her in some tournaments in Chicago. There have been so many people in society whose reputations went from here to here. But I don't can't think of anybody really whose reputation has fallen as quickly as Rudy's. Like, I'm a New Yorker. I, I grew up in the city and he was Mr. Mayor and he was our mayor post 9-11. And I thought we all, you know, we all thought he did a great job. And he was just like, you know, this like beacon of, of hope and just so solid and, and responsible. And then he's just become a total like ass and total caricature of himself. So it'd be nice if he uh, apologizes on top of on top of everything else. He says like, oh, yeah, the press went wild with it. Press didn't go wild with it. I've never read anybody comment, no. you know, anybody write a, write a column or something. No, it's it's assholes like you who are like, you know, immature and you think it's your place to comment on something like that. So um, this is par for the course for Rudy. I find him to be a, a total sleazebag. And it's unfortunate that Michelle, we got roped into this. Why did I not think that the I know the comment was really bad. But then why is it not bad when people say it to me all the time? And I think I'm just having a little bit of a struggle with this because everyone in the golf community banned behind Michelle, as they should, because, of course, this comment's not okay. But then every single day I am harassed 24-7. And why does no one ever ban around me or tell me that what I'm doing is okay? You know, and I think that was really hard for me to see because I feel like isolated and all alone in the golf community. And this is a comment that I get 24-7 or 10 times worse and no one, no one had my back. So are they basically saying that I deserve it because of the way I presented myself? And that's kind of what I was getting in the comments. And it was, it was tough. Well, I think the the issue is like, does it bother you? So like if Michelle Wee doesn't come out and make a statement, then probably not even a lot of people hear about it. Um, you know, I think about it in the vein of Jeremy Roenick, um, who was a commentator for NBC and, you know, legendary hockey player. And I know JR a little bit, um, you know, he made what he thought was a joke um, about an on-air talent, having a threesome with him and his wife. And he just thought he was being funny and joking around. And, you know, that woman took it personally and she was offended. And then NBC was like, okay, well then we're going to, you know, cut ties with Jeremy. So I think it just depends on, how the person who is kind of being insulted or objectified feels. So if it doesn't happen to bother you, then it don't, you know, don't pretend that it does. Um, yeah. I'm a guy who like nothing bothers me. I mean, basically, you know, I just let any insults or whatever roll off, but Michelle, we was bothered by it and that's totally in her right. Um, so I think that's why it became a bigger deal. And again, I think my frustration is that, Maybe I don't say that it bothers me because I know if I come out and say something, they're going to say, well, you deserve it based on the way that you present yourself. And so I don't even want to cross that bridge or deal with all of that negativity. But they also say that because she's accomplished so much that she shouldn't be objectified. And then people come at me saying I haven't accomplished anything. So it's just something that I just don't feel comfortable even addressing because I don't know how to handle it. And I feel like I'm never going to have people support me or have my back. And even if I, let's say I did come out and have a statement just the same, I don't think anyone would have supported me the way they supported her. I think this goes back to my original comments about the podcast. And 
yes, I, I wish I could balance being sexy and, um, having my full personality be out there, but that's just not the case. I can't talk about certain things and then also be respected. Why do you think that's fair? It's not fair, but I really just have to make a choice on like the direction I want to go because I can't, I can't do that because of issues like this, where if I do come out and say something about being objectified, they're like, oh, do you remember that time you talked about, you know, something sexual on your podcast? And it's like, people can't seem to separate both of them. And it's the same concept of it's like, if I'm walking down the street and I'm wearing a short skirt, does that mean I should be sexually assaulted? Absolutely not. So it's, the, it's but if I'm wearing a short skirt on Instagram, does that mean that you can sexually harass me? I don't know. So I think there's these lines that are like blurred right now. And I have just, again, become so desensitized on what's okay and what's not okay. And I just let everything roll off my back now. Shit just got real on this podcast. Um, (laughs) See, I I think people were worried that it wasn't going to be unfiltered, but it might be even more unfiltered now. All I know, I'm not just saying this to be nice. I think you straddle the line beautifully between like, sexy but not over the top and i think that's why you have the following you do um because look there are a thousand girls on instagram who are super hot who have like one one hundredth of your following who if people are only interested in looks they can follow them but there's a reason why you know your engagement is what it is and your following is what it is so don't be down on yourself because i really think you do have that balance just right yeah, I think it's just more of I'm venting right now. This is more just like therapy for me. You'll find that out really quickly that this podcast is basically just a therapy session where I talk about all my problems. <laughs> I'll be billing you. But it, it's just it's something yeah, right? It's just something that's very frustrating to me where I always just feel like an outsider in the golf community and no matter what I do or what I accomplish, no one's it it doesn't matter. None of it matters ever. And so it's like, what's my motivation to keep going or what's my motivation to keep doing what I do? And that's why I think I have such a great following because it's always for my followers and for them. It's it's never, you know, for the golf community because the content I create is never accepted by them. But we're gonna take a little break. But Teddy, I'm gonna do a little TNA with you today. We're gonna mix it up. We're gonna do something a little bit different. So keep on listening, guys. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. special edition of TNA. Teddy, I think people need to know more about you. But first, before we get into this, uh, how good are you at golf? Because you sent me a video this week of you hitting a shot that wasn't all that great. That's a very kind way of putting it, Paige. So um, I've been lucky enough to spend a little time in, in Cabo this month. So I've been playing some golf and I was out at Diamante playing Tiger's course on Friday and we're on the 18th hole and there's a a decent amount of money on the line, not a great amount, but enough that I certainly want to win. And um, I'd like to say I, I, the the drive was a draw, but it was more of a rope hook. So it's just barely in balance on the left. But if I I try to hit it right-handed, I'm in like this prickly bush. So that wasn't even an option. So my caddy's like hit left-handed. I'm like, great idea. So I'm like, start the video, man. This is the first shot I'm going to ask you to take video of all day because this is going to be like amazing. I'm going to do my whole Phil Mickelson thing. I'm just going to look great left-handed, take the four iron, swing left-handed, and it goes sideways right into that bush on the left. And Alan Shipnuck, a buddy of mine, we both know him. He said, you know, your dejected look was the best part of it because you can tell I really thought it was going to be good. <laughs> and it wasn't. And I made about a nine on that hole. Guys, the ball went 90 degrees left. It did not, there was no chance of it ever going straight. And I just love the hope of you looking forward first and then just realizing that it's even deeper in the bush. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That was bad. (laughs) We might have to post that video. in In a tournament ever. Um, have I hit left? No, I've never attempted that one. But when I was playing a junior golf tournament in Tucson, there was a hole, it was a par five dog lake, right? And there was water and it wasn't that deep of water. It was, I mean, it was like deep enough. So I, I hit the ball in the water and it was fully submerged. There wasn't even like a top, top part of the ball showing. And I was like, I'm going to hit it out of the water. And I I don't know what I was thinking. I honestly don't know why I even attempted this. And I just took a full on swing and just got sprayed with water, completely drenched. (laughs) I'm wearing an all white outfit and guys don't get excited. I was 12 and chubby and, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it was, it was bad. So I was like, had to finish. It was our second hole of the day. So I had to play the rest of the round covered in this like gross dirty water it was mortifying absolutely mortifying my parents after like why did you even attempt that shot and i was like (laughs) i saw someone do this before and like Paige, it was like two feet under the water what were you thinking (laughs) so that was jean vandeveld we all want to be like jean (laughs) exactly so that was probably the stupidest shot that i've ever attempted to hit after that, if it's just in a little bit of trouble, I am taking that drop all day long. Exactly. 
Yep. That's the smart play. So Teddy, everyone knows that you work for PointsBet now, but what did you do before PointsBet? So I was in the newspaper business for like the whole time. I was 24 years at the Chicago Tribune, um, went to Northwestern, worked at Sports Illustrated, and then was at the Trib forever covering like baseball and golf and writing about sports media and uh, college football, Big Ten, Notre Dame, your beloved Fighting Irish, um, <laughs> college hoops, the Bulls, the Cubs, living right near Wrigley Field. So I'd always try to make it to a Cubs game. So a lot of different Chicago sports. Has it been hard for you to see the transition from print to more digital media work? No, it's been awesome. Um, I've written enough for five lifetimes. (laughs) So I would much rather be on a podcast with you than write the Cubs game story. This is, uh, this is much more fun Can be creative and, uh, you know, can drop, uh, can drop some F-bombs in podcasts. Like for the longest time in my stories, I couldn't write ass or obviously any of the real curses. And I'd have editors, these old editors who would be like bringing me in. This is fun. Now I can be more myself. Fuck. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. Is right. So what's your favorite sport to cover? I, I would say college football is my favorite sport to cover. Um, but the masters is my favorite event to cover. I covered 11 of them and I would get out there every year on Monday and just look up and say, this is the greatest fucking place on earth. Um, the way we're treated is incredible. Like the old press center was amazing and it was off like the first fairway, but then the master's people decided to blow that one up and they built a $56 million media center at the end of the driving range. And someday I'll, I'll take you in there or maybe you'll get in there on your own without me, but like it's the lap of luxury and it's an honor to cover that event. But in general, college football is my favorite, but if you give me a good college basketball game and the press area is on the floor, that is pretty sweet too. When you're right on the floor for like a big time college basketball game, like at, at Duke or the big 10 uh, tournament, that's amazing. Gosh. I'm jealous. You've done so many really cool things like playing Augusta national. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. Sorry. Let me take another sip of this. Um, <laughs> so this, the second year I covered the masters, um, I won the lottery and, and just for background, it, it's kind of funny. So, so they have, um, a media lottery. I think 28 media members are selected every year. Do they pull some names of the people they want to take care of? Is it a, a completely honest system or is it truly up in the air? Nobody knows. Everybody speculates. So I thought I was going to win my first year. I didn't. So my second year I won and um, somebody played a trick on me. I go and call my sports editor in Chicago and I say, Hey Mike, um, sorry, man, I'm not gonna be able to make it to baseball opening day because um, great news. I won the lottery. I'm going to get to play Augusta national on Monday. And he goes, no, 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 we, we need you back for the game. I said, Oh no, but, you don't understand. Like this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. He's like, <laughs> Oh, I, I get that. But like, you, we need you for a sidebar on the Cubs opening day. So I look over and Gene Wojciechowski of ESPN is laughing his ass off. He had called my editor. <laughs> he knew I was going to be calling him and saying, I wasn't going to come back till Tuesday. And he set that That's whole funny. thing up, but um, it was an amazing experience. I played shitty, um, made one par was nervous. Like I have a bad short game in all circumstances. I have a really bad short game when I have to chip it off something that's like the tightest carpet you've yeah. ever seen in April before I've been able to practice. So there were a lot of disaster holes, but certainly some good ones. And the experience was out of control. I mean, they set us up in the champions locker room. We had a caddy. 
and they let us shoot video and take pictures, but they're funny. They say, we prefer if you not put them on social media. They don't say you're not allowed to. We prefer if you didn't. So you're always worried with the masters. You don't want to cross them. You don't want to make them angry with you because then you feel like, oh God, they're not going to get me a credential (laughs) next year and I'm never going to win the lottery again. So it was a cool experience played in 2010. What was the most surprising thing about that golf course? I don't know if anything was that surprising. Obviously, oh, everybody always says how hilly it is. But at that point, I'd covered a couple of masters. So I knew the walks up yeah. and down. I mean, I think one of the surprising things is there are no ball washers because everybody <laughs> takes a caddy. So there's yeah. no reason to put your ball in and do this whole thing because, you know, it's of a higher service than that. Somebody is there for you. But I mean, I remember being on the ninth green and, you know, let's say my putt is 30 feet that way and the caddy is standing all the way over there. And then on certain greens too, you've probably seen this on 18, depending on the pin, a guy can hit it right to left or left to right. And either way, it's going to end up near the hole. So the greens are such that I don't know if there's anywhere like them in the world where they're that fast, that undulating. And you, you walk on them and you feel like you're walking on like a, you know, hardwood floor. That's how, that's how firm they are. That's awesome. Okay. So I have one more question for you and I'm being nice to you today. I was going to hit you some with some difficult questions. Yeah. I would be nice. <laughs> I'll say those for another time. Uh, but how was that transition from working in Chicago for what, 25 years? It was like an insane amount to now working with points bet. And yes, it's still sports, but it's more sports betting focused. So how's that transition been? I know you don't believe me that I was there for almost 25 years because I look so young. You're like, how did he start at the Tribune when he was 13 years old? So the math doesn't even make sense. Um, well, it's been the greatest transition ever. I mean, people have asked like, you know, is it bittersweet leaving the Tribune for points bet? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like 98% sweet. I mean, the 1% is not covering the Masters. And the other 1% of the 2% is, you know, missing some colleagues and like uh, the satisfaction of writing a newspaper story and then having it hit your doorstep at six o'clock the next morning. That's kind of cool. But like the points bed gig is amazing in part because of the golf, like doing stuff for golf channel and GolfChannel.com, and then being part of the bet cast. And now, I mean, who knew when I took the points bet gig that I was going to be on your podcast? I mean, this is fucking cool, right? I mean, this is much more fun than, I mean, covering a Northwestern basketball game. In, in the middle of winter, I'm in Cabo and I'm doing Paige's podcast. I mean, it's all good. Needless to say, I love this job. I love talking about sports betting, writing about it. And uh, hopefully points bet will have me for a long time. They're such a cool company too. They're one of the first companies that I've worked with where everyone is equally driven to make the company successful. Everyone's so hardworking and like-minded with, you know, sports background and also now me getting more into betting. It's so much fun. So I'm lucky that I met you and now we get to do this all the time. But I want to thank you for coming on and helping me through my first show with, uh, all this new stuff going on. So I think a lot of good stuff is coming. I want to thank everyone for listening today and being along this journey with me. Again, I can't believe 
that I have a podcast. I can't believe that you guys listen all the time and that you missed me so much for a week. So we're back. The show's going to be better than ever. We're giving you more that you want. So you can always send us any questions that you have, requests. We want to make the show as great as we can for you guys. So send us a message on our Instagram account that's playing a round and you guys can catch us next week. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.